I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go along the letting go strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships, and it creates language for what motivates us. The Enneagram helps us look at the way that we look at everything else. But most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror, because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher, pastor, and writer in Greeley, Colorado. With me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. What's up? We are on a new series. Yes. We are talking relationships. Yeah. Relationships are pairs, duos, partners. These can be all sorts of, what, romantic relationships? Yeah. Uh, Family relationships. Buddy cops. Yeah. All the duos. Yeah. So when I say duos or partners, pairs, mm-hmm. who's, who is the first famous pair that comes to your mind? Uh, mainly because I was recently watching it. Uh, uh, Spock and Kirk uh, is a good one. So we're gonna we we might be talking about Spock and Kirk today. Okay, no, cool. No spoilers. Great, perfect. <laughs> the dynamic duo. I'm a Batman, Robin fan. Yeah, sure. They get better. You mean like uh, George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell? I do. Yeah, okay, that's my perfect. favorite movie. Yes. No, it's great. not. It's the worst. It's that's, the worst that's movie ever. Completely reasonable. <laughs> uh, some of the actual. So not to nerd out again on comic book stuff, but if you see some of the DC cartoons that they do with Batman and Son, yeah, it's not Batman and Robin. It's Batman and another Robin named Damian, um, who's his actual son and they're okay. real clever okay um, nice. it's worth finding they, they they're 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 good stuff duos and partners um the enneagram is often symbolized by nine numbers in a circle and here we pick a topic and we go around the circle and today we are starting a series and we're talking relationships um some of the relationships we have are romantic some of them are friendships or work relationships some are maybe parental, uh, student-teacher kinds of relationships. C.S. Lewis, in his fantastic book, The Four Loves, uh, puts a name on each of those sorts of pairings. One he calls eros, erotic relationships, romantic ones. These are what he describes as face-to-face relationships. Uh, He describes friendships as shoulder-to-shoulder relationships. We are going somewhere. You have somebody that you work with. You have somebody who's your buddy. You're going to go conquer that hill. You're going to go do that thing. Um, This is the Greek word philo. And uh, third type of relationship is the teacher-student relationship. It's that parental-child relationship. One person stands over the other but seeks to elevate them to the same level. Um, And the goal of that kind of love, says Lewis, is to get rid of itself. You want the other person to be your same height and at the same place. So at that point, you can be friends and move forward. Um, It's a bad thing if you stay infantile. So when talking about pairs, when talking about relationships, those three are going to be, in my mind, uh, we have some relationships when we talk about the Enneagram. 
that I am a type, they're a type, and we are in a romance, perhaps, where we have even an erotic relationship. There are going to be other relationships we have that are more friendship, um, sisterhood, brotherhood, coworker. We're doing something together. And I think this that also, like, you do not have to like your coworkers to need to be doing something together with them. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah you yeah. don't have to, like go out with them after work to have to be able to get along with them. So we count coworkers in that because, you know, relationships are more complex than intentionally choosing to be friends with someone. Yep. So. The, there is actually in all three of these types of relationships. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, obviously being the parent and teacher we have, uh, or I'm sorry, parent child or teacher student relationship. There can be types at work, mm-hmm. but each of these have goals. Yeah. You have a goal for uh, if you have a coworker, and you and your coworker share different goals. Yeah, that will obviously create tension, yeah. drama, yeah, or going in different ways. Yeah, and your type is going to come out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, in romance as well, you mm-hmm. may move together. Move, uh, there are things that will attract you about the other person in your type. In some of the places where you have real difficulty in your romantic relationships may likewise come out of your goals or out of the way your type functions. Yeah. Um, And this is part of why romantic relationships fall apart is because people start going in different directions. Yeah. And so being able to name that and and hopefully will help provide some wisdom to, to navigate what that looks like, figuring out that you have different goals. Mm. So likewise um, that uh, I'm a, teacher my wife's a teacher uh tj's wife's a teacher tj teaches occasionally mm-hmm. uh you have a teacher role actually in a lot of people's lives yeah um but there is that teacher student dynamic as well mm-hmm. you yeah. have the types and this includes i'm i'm an employer my mm-hmm. employees like i i get along with them i'm friends with them but also there's there's certain amounts of instruction that i am doing for them that that is that mentor student relationship yeah the goal there generally is there is the elevation taking place. The energy of the teacher, the energy of the parent is to raise up the child or the, uh, the student. Yep. And the types are going to come into play there yeah, in terms of sure. how that happens. Um, well, with that in mind, what goes through your mind in a broad sense when you're thinking about the Enneagram and relationships? Well, I think that um, this is this is a big part of what the value has been for for you and I spending the last several years studying this is um, it has shown us a lot about ourselves. But but the biggest thing that, that we've seen over and over and over again is is informing how we interact with other people, uh, giving some common language to how we can talk about our relationships with the people in our lives, and and also helping us be more gracious towards people that we have perhaps had a hard time with mm-hmm. or um, just just figuring out how to navigate life together in better ways than just fighting at each other. Yeah. So, so again, C.S. Lewis, he describes, he says there's three parts to the good life, the moral life. One is you're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. One is One part is don't run into the other people. Mm-hmm. And one is getting your inner life healthy and he describes that as a fleet of ships if you imagine a boat 
a boat needs to have its internal workings in order mm-hmm. to be sound. Integrity is actually a naval term. Okay. Um, so that you don't get water in. It's the boat has integrity. Sure. Um, slamming into other boats will compromise your integrity because it'll sure. split. It's a problem. <laughs> your boat yeah. open. Yeah. Um, but the navigating relationships in terms of don't run into the other boats can be a very important part of our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, we're going somewhere. Uh, there is some goal, there's some destination. We need to be targeting something together so that we're in a fleet. Yeah. The Often in our culture, the we just focus on the middle. Mm-hmm. It's just be nice to people, don't run into each other without focusing on your inner workings, the inner pieces, the inner dynamics of the of your of your life of the ship. Right. If the if the steering mechanism in a ship is broken, you won't be able to help running into other ships. Right. If you don't have your insides in order, you will naturally hit other ships unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And this is actually what I have found to be one of the most helpful sides of the Enneagram. It's let's talk about your inner life. Let's put it in order. Yeah. And then we can talk about your relationships and then perhaps even further, we can talk about, okay, where are you guys going together? Mm -hmm. And that's the good life, life and community that's internally healthy, where we are not um, routinely bashing into one another. Yeah. Breaking our ships all up, but elevating one another with our giftings and skills. Yeah. Yeah, I like that shipping metaphor. That's good. I'm going to use that. So here is the problem with going around the circle with combinations of different types. There are 36 different combinations of the nine types with one another. Right, and that's a lot. And we we will not be able to go around the circle with each of the combinations. I mean, we could, but we're not going to. Because it'll take too long. Our, our recordings are already four hours long, yeah, and they get seriously. hacked yeah. to, to bits. <laughs> We'd be here for two weeks. We can go around the circle with the triads. Right. And so all the intelligence centers are broken down into three triads, stance, coping style, and affect groups. Uh, let's, let's just define those real quick. These are going to be the next three podcasts. So where are we going? We're going this time. We're going with stance. What is stance referring to? Basically stance is about how we get what we want. There's a lot more other stuff, but we'll unpack more as we go. Next time we will hit coping styles and this would be different combinations of numbers. Yeah. And it's how we uh, enter into conflict. And lastly, we're going to hit affect groups. Which is uh, largely about like getting and re- uh, receiving and giving affection and a lot of the emotional baggage that goes along with that. So how you get affection, how you fight, how you get what you want. Yep. That's relationships in a nutshell right Basically, there. Basically, that's all it is. What, what else do you do? You, you have, I mean, everything that we fight about is probably in there. Yeah. From where are we going to go eat yeah. to, to who's doing the dishes tonight. Yeah. And who's in charge of the project at work and all of the things. So. This is true because it's not just romantic relationships. Right. Why you got to make everything about romance? <laughs> so uh, there is, uh, for those of you listening who have a relationship, romantic or otherwise, that you're really interested in, on the Google machine, if you type in Enneagram Institute in your number and the person who you're in relationships number, a fantastic page will appear that goes through your specific number and their specific number and the overlaps, mm-hmm. the, the very likely places that you all succeed 
and the places that you're going to struggle. And they've done just a stellar job. That's that's uh, Russ Hudson's yeah. Uh, organization, yeah. Yep. Who does a stellar job, and uh, it's worth it's worth jumping in. So, uh, anything else before we we get into this? Uh, we've said this before, and uh, it bears repeating that uh, if you if you have not had the opportunity to have someone else tell you their number, then you're guessing what their number is and hold that loosely. Hold so on. we're we're talking all about relationships. We're talking about us with other people. And if you don't know what another person's type is because they have told it to you, then you're guessing. And you don't necessarily know their inner motivation. So remember that it's a guess. We're going to set up the conversation with with some some work on stances just talking about what are the stances how does this play in terms of each of the numbers so broadly speaking when we talk about these this is a triad mm-hmm. um three sets of three yep. what are the stances so uh we're talking about what is the repressed center so you have head heart gut the stances are defined by which center is the lowest on the totem pole so you have the aggressive stance, which is threes, sevens, and eights. Sevens, eights are farthest away from their feeling center. And threes being right in the center of that triad, they are repressed in that center. So these three types come across as the as feeling repressed, the aggressive stance. Let's pause on just that. We'll just like play this out because sure. of all things, it's defined by repressed center. Mm-hmm. But many people have noted once you put those three numbers together, there's all sorts of other things that come out of them. Yeah. Like in terms of here's some other things that overlap yep. uh, with three, sevens, and eights. So what are some things that come to your mind? I have a handful. As, as uh, the big one is orientation to time. Yeah. So three, sevens, and eights are all future focused. So they're the way that they look at the world and the, the way that they uh, make plans and, and navigate how to live in the world is by focusing on what's coming next. Threes are looking at goals. Mm-hmm. Sevens are looking at future experiences. Yeah, uh, planning uh, more adventures and 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 enjoyable things. And then eights are what? Are, what are eights focused on? Uh, what problems need to be solved? Oh, there you go. Yeah, these are in my experience hard working types, mm-hmm. hard playing types. Yep. Um, they have, and we'll talk a lot about this. They have expansive per- personalities. Yeah. You generally, uh, know when you're in the room with one of these mm-hmm. types because their energy is going forth. Yeah. The thing that stood out to me, these are quick thinker, uh, focused on doing types. Um, Horne, who mm-hmm. is the originator of the Hornevian groups. Yep. Um, calls these the moving against people. Mm. That is, in order to get what they want, their their movement is towards people or almost against people. Um, this writer says, when walking into a room, these ego-expansive types have the belief, I am the center. Everything meaningful happens in relationship to me. Mm. Because, as we'll we'll cover here in a minute, uh, three sevens and eights are going to demand what they want. Yeah, uh, eights are going to demand uh, autonomy, uh, control of the, their space. Sevens are going to demand security, and threes are going to demand attention. Thank you. Brings you to 
the next triad, which is the reactive types or... What's the other name for a reactive? It's so there's there's a couple of different names, and it just depends on who you ask. Um, reactive, compliant, or dependent. That's it. These are all used interchangeably. Yep. And it, it has to do with, um, so they uh, w- there's ones, twos, and sixes. So ones and twos being farthest away from the head center, and sixes being right in the middle of that head center. They're, they're all repressed in their thinking center. Which doesn't mean we're dumb. Nope. Means that. What does that mean? You don't do productive thinking. Yep. Uh, so ones and twos, uh, ones focus on action, twos focus on feelings. Uh, sixes take in through their their head center, but they don't engage through their head center. They get sort of stuck in unproductive thinking, and, and all of them re- are repressed in that thinking center. So they, they know what they feel, they know what to do, they don't know what they think. I don't know if this is true for all, but I've I've heard tell from others that there's a lot of verbal processing that's mm-hmm. going on. The ones are throwing out words they're thinking out there so that they can feel them, get yeah. a sense of them in their intuitions. Yeah. Twos are throwing out the words so that they can get them in their hearts. How does how do they emotionally connect with the words? And then sixes are throwing out they're verbally processing to others, to the tribe, to tell them how they ought to think about. Yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. No, I don't know and, that's and true. in relation to what uh what everyone else thinks. So yeah. am do I fit in the group here? Here it is. Yeah. Um what's their orientation t- to time? So their orientation is to the present moment. So that's a big part of that that being thinking repressed. They're they're focused on what's happening right now in front of me. There is a lot of relational dynamic with that present focus because mm-hmm. their energy is going to be uh, often an anxiety about what other people think about them sure. or perhaps taking responsibility for making the lives of the people around them better. Mm-hmm. Um, their this, problems to be fixed and I'm the one that needs to fix them right now. Yeah. yeah. This triad is uh, intuitive about other people's feelings um, and... The, again, Hornet says the in terms of their movement, these are more moving toward people. People, mm-hmm. the natural movements of ones, twos, and sixes is to engage other people um, because they are when walking into a room, they're going to say to themselves something like, "I can order this," or "I can help here," or "I am part of the right group," and or getting a sense if they're part of the right group, and so. That's their energy different than the aggressive energy. Right. The aggressive types are, um, they have a plan and they are going to enact that plan. The uh, reactive types are reacting to what's happening around them. Yeah. So. I like the word reactive. And mm-hmm. as as a one in this triad, I always feel like that's a great description of how I navigate in the world and how I get what I want. Yeah. And a lot of times stances is about how you get what you want, mm-hmm. where again, uh, where the f- aggressive triad is demanding what they want. Uh, ones, twos, and sixes also try to get what they want through what? Earning. And ha- how does that play itself out? So it's about uh, doing what it takes to, to y- you're essentially, there are rules that you have that say that you have to earn the thing that you're looking for. So ones are earning their autonomy and control by doing the right thing. Twos are earning the attention of other people by being useful and helpful. 
sixes are earning their security by following the rules of the group. Mm-hmm. The last of the triads is the my people, the withdrawn types. <laughs> my people, uh, which are which numbers? So this is nines, fours, and fives. Again, fours and fives being farthest away from that body center, and nines being right in the middle of it. We are uh, f- repressed in our action or our intuition. So, so these are the types that are going to sort of sit back. We're going to we're going to withdraw from situations and and other people in order to gain the thing that we want. Also, have an orientation to time. Yep, we are past focus. How does that play itself out? Uh, so, uh, this is, uh, sentimentality. This is, um, looking at the things that have happened before. So for nines, uh, we rely heavily on what has happened before in order to inform how to keep the peace now. Fours thinking mainly about the experiences that they've had as opposed to what things might come in front of them or, or where they are now. They're, they're mainly focused on where they've been. And fives, thinking about the, the, the safety of like, categorizing all of the information that has already happened in order to decide what's coming in the future. Two things I read that was new for me with, uh, with drawn types was one, There is a common retreat into an inner space and stress into either a carefree or romanticized or a cerebral space. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they rely on their own strength to get through. Yeah. I thought that was real interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you experience that or could you talk about that? Yeah, that's part of the withdrawal is um, we're stepping back from other people so that because we are more... We're more comfortable with ourselves than we are relying on other people. So Hornet called these the moving away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they walk into a room, their dominant feeling is, I'm not part of what's going on here mm-hmm. or I don't fit. Yeah. Um, do, you, do, do you connect with that in yeah. terms of those numbers? Yeah, what, absolutely. Like, what do you see there? Well, for me, um, when I walk into a space, I'm, I'm automatically scanning the room to see what's at play like who like i i am observing the space in a way that that i want to know where the exits are and i want to know who's doing what where and like where are the places where i fit so that i have the least amount of impact on and by other people because this is this is harmony for me in the same way Mm. that uh three sevens eights demand what they want in reactive types one two sixes earn what they want how do nines fours and fives get what they want so we with we step back in order to gain the things that we want so nines step back for control that one seems we'll go go through that yeah so nines want control yeah uh fours want attention Mm -hmm. and fives want security and the move is routinely to take a step back in order to gain those things yeah so how does that play out so if i go home then I have control over my whole space. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm if I have to be with other people, then I don't necessarily have control. So I step back for that control, uh, and this is part of our passive aggressiveness as well. Five seem obvious as well. They're going to take a big step back in order to gain knowledge. Yeah, to study, to conserve to their energy, conserve to build up their resources. 
they step back ivory tower types um uh, I know a lot of fives who have a bank account that they've never touched except to add money to. They like it's stepping back to maintain their resources. Uh, and then fours step back for the attention. And a lot of time that's that's mainly focused inside. Um, a lot of the stepping back for someone else's attention is an unhealthy response. But for normal to healthy fours, their step back is to focus on what they feel to 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 get um, to get that attention in a way that um, it's it's a it's a self directed attention. I have never heard that. That is exactly what's going on because that's the most confusing to me. You're going to withdraw to get attention. That doesn't make any sense because that means that you are intentionally getting out of the right. attention. That's a super unhealthy move. It yeah. is your own attention yeah. that you are withdrawing for because yep. you're going to understand your feelings Yeah, and you're going to be true to who you are mm-hmm. if you're for. And that requires a step back. Yeah, so and that you can figure out what your feelings are. Come on. So the body types all want that independence, autonomy, assert their own will. And so nines are going to do that by withdrawing. Eights are going to do that by demanding. Ones are going to do that by earning it. Mm -hmm. Um, Go through the the heart types. Twos, threes, and fours, they all want attention in some way. Yeah. So twos are going to do it, gain their attention by earning it from other people. Threes are going to do it by demanding it from other people. Look at how good I am. Fours are going to do it by withdrawing, and they get attention for themselves in that way. And then the thinking triad obviously wants yeah. Five, safety. Five, six, and sevens, they want safety, security. Uh, fives do it by withdrawing the same way. Sixes do it by earning. What is my place in the group? Sevens do it by demanding, by, by seeking out that safety and security and it's essentially running away from their problems uh the fantastic riso and hudson do some work on this in their big blue book the wisdom of the enneagram and that's where we're getting those combinations from Mm. the reason this is important and this is going to be i'm so excited for this podcast because we haven't talked about this yet one and two i don't know that i've seen many people cover how folks from one stance interact with those from another stance and what those pairings, groupings, what the energy of those relationships looks like. So, because if you have, so here's the, here's the big thing, and this is going to color everything we do. If you have one person who is trying to earn what they want and you have one person who's trying to demand what they want, that will naturally create an energy in your relationship. Mm -hmm. If one person withdraws and the other person demands, there's a clear energy in that relationship if both people are trying to earn there is a there is an energy naming that energy naming how we connect with those people who um, either share our same stance or have a different stance it's worth giving a name to that it's it's been one of the most helpful things i've experienced this week has been fantastic i've been living in this (laughs) material just going is just is blown up for me so i hope that the podcast comes out good because i was really edified so um, we're going to start with, uh, the aggressive, aggressive pairing. Great. So we'll, again, we'll go through six of these. Um, the first is 
an aggressive person with another aggressive person. So threes, sevens, and eights. There is an energy that's going to be going on with this sort of pair. So in your mind, I imagine you can um, you can imagine one pair that you know, friends or perhaps in a romantic couple who have who are both aggressive types. Mm-hmm. What do you experience? What do you notice when they're over for dinner? What happens? You know, uh, what do you have any anything you can sp- speak into that? What I've experienced is it's a lot of energy that fills up a space in a big way, and there's a lot of things that are gonna get done. Yeah, yeah. The this pair is going to be uh action thinking dominant Mm -hmm. they will be if if you get into relationship with them over time this will be a feeling repressed pair right there is no there the both of them will be feeling repressed and i imagine that will come out in the energy of their pursuit yeah together yeah um but the electricity is what i imagine a lot of people will experience oh yeah um in Church work, I know a handful of combinations of three sevens in particular, sure. but I, I know one eight seven, and those those folks fill yeah the stage yeah. And, and if it's healthy, it's awesome. Yep. If it's unhealthy, it's really bad. There it is. Yeah. So there's going to be if we are moving in the same direction, we have the same goal. Mm-hmm. This uh, energetic you know pair can take you some places. Yeah. You don't have the same goal. It's explosive. And and everybody's going to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's spilling out into everything that everyone else experiences from them. So yeah. just like with the types. All right. We're going to do something new here. Okay. This can get trademarked. And okay. So, and we're, this is perhaps it's an adventure. If you listen to this podcast and you want to hit us up on the Twitter with recommendations, we would love to see your contribution, but I want to name each of the pairings. Okay. So, um, I have a name Yeah. for, for the, for this in, uh, did you prep this? I prepped some, okay. but I didn't spend that much time on it. <laughs> this is good. Okay. So the aggressive, aggressive type. Yeah. Do you have an, a name that you would throw out? Powerhouse. The powerhouse couple. Yeah. Or something like that. Powerhouse pair. I had the energizers. Okay. Um, and I imagine that's, yeah, it's going to go down that route. Yeah, it's sure. kind of like you name the ones, the the improvers or the perfectionists or whatever. Mm-hmm. This couple, aggressive, aggressive, the powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> powerhouse um, or energizers. I like that. One of the things that I find helpful, and we're going to try and stick with when, when talking about examples, you and I can talk about people that we know, but that's not always helpful because they're listening. Right. Uh, we could also, uh, it's, it's, I found that it was real helpful in our last set of podcasts talking about Avengers to talk about fictional people. Yeah. And so looking over a list of famous duos, there were a handful that popped for me. And so to bring these up as let's put some flesh on this kind of couple, Mm -hmm. here are some folks that struck me as aggressive, aggressive partners. Uh, the first was Buzz and Woody. Okay. They both strike me as threes, and this would showcase the common energy there that they're both kind of fighting for the attention of, of the crew that they're in. And to and for Woody, it seems like he's nervous that someone else is going to be in charge now. Yep. Yeah. And so the idea of Buzz taking over, 
like becoming the favorite toy is yep. not just about him losing affection from Andy, but he won't be the one that's in charge anymore. There it is. So there is a confrontational energy. That's where the first Toy Story is entirely about that. Yeah. When they become partners, then the energy is robust in moving them forward in a different kind of way. Right. And right. that and that can be a great good. And there yeah. you see the dynamics at play. Mm-hmm. Um, last time we talked with the Marvel characters, Gamora and Peter Quill would be a couple, yeah, sure. a romantic couple. We type Gamora as an eight yep. and Peter Quill as a seven. Mm-hmm. And so there's two aggressive types. You might be able to see that. Um, I know that you're not familiar with the Game of Thrones, but some folks will be familiar with. There are so many pairs that uh, are real interesting sure. um, here. So just for for the listener... Uh, Tyrion and Bronn, who are kind of on this adventure the entire time. There's all sorts of adventures of these two characters. Um, they're both sevens. Mm-hmm. And Arya Stark and the Hound are both eights. And you get a sense of this is what these two aggressive types would look like. And the most famous, not the most famous, but I thought the best example of this is K and J from from The Men in Black. Um, okay. K is uh, the old eight been around the block um he has an aggressive posture towards the world it seems to me Mm -hmm. in terms of getting what he wants and then jay strikes me as a three um the best just quick quote that kind of brings this up is jay says all right i'm in because look there's some next level shit going on around here and i'm with that but before y'all get to beaming me up it's a couple things i want you to understand first off you chose me so you recognize the skills. And I don't want nobody calling me son or kid or sport or nothing like that. Cool? Cool. Whatever you say, Slick. But I need to tell you something about all your skills. As of right now, they mean precisely dick. And then he shows them all the aliens. You right. know, something yeah. like that. But there's also this. So there, there, there's some of that energy mm-hmm. up front. Yeah. My favorite scene in the Men in Black is when uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character shoots the alien in the head. And he's oh, demanding, yeah. he's demanding, Tony Shalhoub. he's demanding the stuff. And Jay's playing the buddy cop yeah. up until the point where he fires and yeah. actually blows up the man's yeah. skull. And then the head grows back. And it's a whole thing. And it's a thing. I warned him. You warned him. <laughs> anyway, those are that aggressive, aggressive energy. Yeah. When they are at odds, it's real clear when they are in common cause, energized power, we're going to get this done. Yeah. Um, and it can also be the case that they give off uh, like like one of the big pitfalls for them for for aggressive aggressive types is that because they are feeling repressed they're not going to be aware of the effect that they have on other people and that is going to be amplified because there's two of them yeah so that was what i wanted to talk about next let's talk about that as a couple yeah i think amplification is entirely right you have you have what is that called synergy Mm -hmm. when you have two people who are sharing the common cause as it were yep um but that would certainly be the case of oversights or repression yeah so talk about that And, and particularly with aggressive aggressive they're they're going to build each other up in that way and sort of give each other permission. Um, So it can be very easy for them to have a plan that they are doing and everyone else doesn't matter. Mm. Um, So, so bowling people over is a big risk for, for aggressive, aggressive relationships. 
uh, and and just not knowing what other people what they the effect that they have on other people is just a huge can be a huge problem for them. So if you're in a friendship or if you're in a romantic partnership of that sort, super important for you to be aware of that, not yeah. only individually but yeah. collectively, that that can be a you reinforce mm-hmm. in in each other. Yeah. Um, uh, Suzanne Sabil's book, The Path Between Us, yeah. uh, she has some great stuff in there about working relationships and yeah. how aggressive types go into those kinds of settings with expectations that they have not communicated to other people. And when other people don't meet their expectations, it can be big problems. And and particularly in work environments, that feeling repressed thing can can cause all kinds of problems when really all they need to do is is wake up to it. Yeah. That that's another great resource worth um check marking path between us. Mm-hmm. The book is good. There is a very small thin workbook. I have no idea how much they sell it for, but it it I actually thought it was better. Yeah. I really enjoy the little workbook and sure. use it actually more frequently than the big book. Um, and that might just be where I'm at, but the, but the questions, the way they present things, it's really good in that little workbook. Yeah. Um, how, if you are an aggressive type mm-hmm. and you're in a friendship or a romantic relationship, or you have a student or a child who's aggressive, you're an aggressive type. What does it look like for you to care for another aggressive type? Well, you already have a leg up because you, you both view the world in similar ways, so that future focus, that, that feeling repressed kind of thing. It, it's good to have another person who sees the same way that you do in in a lot of settings so, so that you can actually relate to each other in ways that, that you can't with other people. But you also have the opportunity to see each other's foibles, like, the, like you see the problems that come from that, easier and you can communicate that in ways that that other people might not be able to yeah i think that's that's exactly right Mm -hmm. it's the ability to understand the stance itself yeah and communicate to somebody with that same stance here's how you're processing the world or your relationships and here's some pitfalls perhaps right right um, otherwise say, say it's two different types. So you, there's a relationship between a three and an eight. Mm-hmm. They both have demanding energy, but they're yeah. demanding two very different things. Right. So the three is demanding attention. Eight's demanding control. That's not necessarily a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that, is there something about, um, say I'm a three, I understand the eight needs their space and control over their space. So I can actually, out of my stance, aggressively work for the sake of, you know, what my eight friend or lover desires. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. The, the yeah. eight can can actively work towards the type of attention and um, achievements that, that the three is looking for and help to to do it in ways that uh, are productive and healthy. Yeah. 
I saw a buddy of mine is at work. He's a seven. Uh, uh, the the man they worked under was an eight, and they had a real tension at first until the seven began really pushing to elevate the platform of the eight so that the eight felt like they weren't going to be betrayed. They felt yeah. like they had somebody who was their champion. And, and they were in control. And they, Yeah, and that was the seven realized that in order to get what the seven wanted, as it were, um, that was the way they needed to engage that relationship mm-hmm. was to be very enthusiastic about about elevating the control of the eight, which ended up just kind of bleeding over into the rest of the organization. Right. And that was whether that seemed to be a good move for them relationally. Yeah. Um, uh, and anyway, that, that, that struck me as interesting. Yeah. Recognizing that, 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 that demanding that, that aggressive energy is, is present. The aggressive types can, can shift in ways that help support the other aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the seven sort of getting out of the way of the eights aggression and, and control in the world to help elevate that person makes the whole relationship a little smoother. How could that be reciprocated? So say you're an eight in the situation, you have aggressive energy, but you see the seven you're in, you're is perhaps serving under you in this mm-hmm. situation. Sure. Um, what does it look like to aggressively uh, go to bat for a seven? There would certain be, certainly be a level of, of providing space and also a, assurance for that seven that mm-hmm. to giving them opportunities to try new things and, um, and, and stretch out in ways where, where they don't, they aren't taking huge risks necessarily like if you can assure your seven that they're not going to lose their job because they're trying something different the seven might actually be a much more productive person yes there it is there is a understanding of the needs of the other types that's just always going to be helpful Mm -hmm. especially if you've done this work to say this is who i am this is who they are and i'm going to use my skills to meet that person where they're at for an eight meeting the needs of a seven it might be real obvious it's like you you have the energy power um abilities to create platforms that really give a lot of security to your seven in in that way as well as your six and five i suppose on that part yeah um anything else on what this pairing aggressive aggressive look like when they're at their best um I, I think that good and healthy, mature, aggressive types are also going to be working towards the health and maturity of their 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 pair. So it means intentionally getting into that feeling space, yeah, and and helping the other person do it. And I think that aggressive aggressive would would provide really great opportunity for evaluating feeling space without making the other person feel dumb. One of the things that, so there's going to be three pairs. They experience repression, Mm -hmm. aggressive, aggressive, withdrawn, withdrawn, and reactive, reactive. Right. I found in each of these types, it can be real helpful for there to be a third person that comes into the mix. Sure. Who has more skills in that space Mm -hmm. um, to be an instigator. Yeah. But um, I imagine if I'm in an aggressive, aggressive, relationship 
there's all sorts of things you can do one-on-one, but having somebody who's real good on the feeling side of things, be able to communicate with both of you, I, yeah. I could imagine being quite helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, counseling is a stellar, stellar um, soul-helping investment. Yep. The next triad is the aggressive reactive uh, partners or lovers uh, or relationship. Um, so aggressive again is going to be three, seven, eight. Reactive is going to be one, two, six. This is going to be an outgoing complementary type. They are an action dominant couple. Yeah. Um, both of them have action as something as a place that they're comfortable in. Yeah. So how would you describe the energy taking place? Uh, well, so so the reactive types are always looking for something to react to. So the aggressive types are driving, and then reactive types are like, all right, let's go. I'm on board. Yep. Yeah. And that creates, especially it seems to me with, um, there's a lot of romantic couples that probably go down that road mm-hmm. um, where I would imagine it's much more common for the stances to be different with romantic couples that that are engaged over time. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not always the case. Sure. But I imagine that's that's real common. Mm-hmm. I, um, the energy of the aggressive type saying, we're going to do the thing, and the reactive type saying, how can I help? Yeah. And we're going to go. Yeah. Um, the uh, Any names that come to mind uh, with this kind of type? Number one and number two. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's that's A and B, man. Yeah. Mine was the doers because it seems like so many different combinations, uh, threes, ones, eights, six, uh, seven, twos. It feels like we're going to do something. Mm -hmm. We're going to achieve something together. Yeah. And that the natural energy kind of goes down that road. Any pop culture duos that come to mind? I mean, Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Mm Mm-hmm. We can go back to number one, number two. <laughs> there's a bunch of the Avengers that do. They have exactly this yeah, the, it's, kind of energy it's going the, the person in charge and their administrative assistant. Yep. Yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, the first one that popped up for me was Doc and Marty. Uh, oh, you great. got Doc, yes. who is a seven with a seven wing. Yeah. And you have Marty, who is struggling over and over again with his fears. Yeah. Um, and that's really the whole trajectory of that trilogy sure um, or the uh the more modern equivalent of rick and morty it's, it's exactly <laughs> what it is rick is the uh super unhealthy eight and morty the super unhealthy six <laughs> it again is the case that okay so on my walk with kelly yesterday i had an epiphany that we could raise some money on uh on the podcast mm-hmm I imagine there's somebody out there who would be willing to fund the Harry Potter version of our Avengers uh, character sketch. Oh, sure. Throwdown. Honestly, I would put money towards that. Entirely books. Totally defeating the purpose. You have to read the books first. So that's the thing. Uh, If we raise the money, I'll read the books. In uh, in similar spirit... (laughs) The one of the best relationships on film is 
Jamie Lannister and Brienne of Tarth, who Jamie's a three, Brienne's a one, and these are from the Game of Thrones. Okay, there it, we go. It if is we so raise the stellar. money, yes. I'll watch the TV show. You hear that, folks? Yeah. How much do we need to raise? I don't I can't put a dollar <laughs> figure to that. If we raise five hundred bucks, I'll read the books. Okay. If we raise five hundred bucks, I'll watch the TV show. There it is. Yeah. It's done. It's you hear that? Uh, contact us on our Twitter. Yeah, DM us on Twitter. <laughs> is that what it's called? DM? I don't know how Twitter works. Yeah. I got Akeem and Simi from uh, Coming to America. Okay. I It's been too long since I've seen no! them. No! Okay. I haven't seen them since I was a kid. Okay, so uh, what what would it take? 40 bucks to watch? <laughs> <laughs> no, it would take a copy of Coming to America. It seems like... <laughs> so if, if you all want to mail us a copy, it's 709 16th Street, Grand Colorado. <laughs> uh, all the Chris Farley, Seven, and David Spade one films seem to have that dynamic yeah of, oh, of yeah. here's the aggressive uh farley and yeah. david spade's just reacting the whole time yeah and in his david spade way my favorite of the aggressive reactive types would be uh riggs and murtaugh from the lethal weapon yeah they're both angry mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. uh murtaugh uh who is played by danny glover who is phenomenal in nearly everything he touches. Yeah. Uh, no complaints. And then obviously, uh, I was going to say Harrison Ford. That's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Mel crap. Gibson. Yeah. Mel Gibson is uh, the eight who has lost his wife and is suffering immense depression. Murtaugh is getting old. He's he's too old for this shit. Mm. And, and he is has to take on a partner who he who is not ideal mm-hmm. and that's kind of the energy of their relationship right. at first is Murtad hasn't had uh, uh has a partnership that he doesn't want it's not it's not a good partnership and um the, <laughs> the their interactions up front are hilarious because Murtad is verbally processing the whole time yeah. this is his one side coming out and he just says god hates me that's what it is and Riggs says, Hate him back. It works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the dynamic uh, between action dominant couples or pairings. So there's, um, there is that sense of uh, like one person driving and the other person is along for the ride uh, and, and ready to go and be supportive. But there's also um, one of the pitfalls that can come from that is, is the when the aggressive type is driving where the reactive doesn't want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's some um, sort of bowling over energy that can happen there, and um, uh, high potential for uh, the the reactive type to be sort of put on the shelf and 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 still working really hard to try and earn the thing that they want so there's there's fighting there and um i got a question for you on this yeah that is my gut intuition about how things work with this couple Mm -hmm. is that the aggressive is going to be leading the reactive is going to be in second place yeah although in my experience as one i know that that's not the case at all i in terms of, cause I'm commonly the person in charge or leading sure. in the relationships I have. And I have a lot of relationships with threes and eights in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
posture, I am putting forth energy in terms of I'm setting goals or agendas or I'm saying I think this is the best way that we should go. But yeah. then I'm very reactive in terms of the energy because I'm going to rely heavily on the energy of um, especially aggressive types that are in my circle to to bring their best thinking to bear right. and to get things accomplished. Right. And so there's a new kind of dynamic there. And I don't know if that's the same with like twos who are um, leaders or sixes who are leaders or perhaps twos that are teachers uh, like you, you t- or a six that's a teacher who is teaching a three student or mm-hmm. an eight student and the dynamic that's going to take place in those sorts of yeah. situations. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And the, there will be a, a, a much more sort of Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of role yep. that, that, that guide of saying, this is the best way to accomplish the thing that you want to do. Now go do it. Yeah. Um, and so, so sort of focusing the reactive type will have the ability to help sort of focus the energy and it, of the aggressive type. That's the dynamic. Yeah, sure. So this is a doer couple, a doer par- par- pairing. Mm-hmm. But for the reactive type, there is an instigation that you're going to, let's see where you're at. The, the reactive type saying to the aggressive, I want to see where you're at. And then we're going to move this into good, healthy places, yeah, perhaps. Sure. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to to bring out your best colors, mm-hmm. make, make things good. Um, and... Yeah, and there's just a natural energy there. Yeah. How do you care for an aggressive type if you are a reactive type? Uh, a, a big thing is recognizing that they are not hurting your feelings on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the reactive type... You don't ever need to tell reactive types that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like our personal history would disagree with your statement there. The, um, it's, it's easy for people to see aggressive types as being um being jerks or um or uninterested in the way that they affect other people but uh reactive types in particular are going to take that a lot more personally naturally and and so recognizing that the aggressive type is is a doer they're they're naturally trying to get things done and and they're they're not they're not trying to bowl you over. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. The, I haven't thought about that, uh, cleanly reactive types are going to be thinking repressed, mm-hmm. but they also are going to be heavily invested in their intuitions and feelings. Yeah. And so uh, an aggressive type that hurts the other's feelings will be something that a reactive type is going to need to process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of my own energy ends up being on the reactive side. Something has come at me, painful Mm -hmm. and most of my thinking repression comes into play when i'm like what do i do with this Mm -hmm. i've had something hurtful come my way energy needs to go someplace you can't just hold it in yourself right it's gonna be toxic so how do i take that energy and move it into 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 places into the relationship itself or let it go in ways that are productive yeah well, and, and, and even giving opportunity for, uh, because reactive types are present focused and, uh, aggressive types are future focused acting as a sort of, um, a sail or, or parachute, like, like thinking about like a race car, um, like drag racing, mm-hmm. they have to have a parachute on the car so that the car can slow down. Yeah. 
And so, so acting is a sort of a, a buffer to help get the aggressive type to focus on what's in front of them sometimes. Yeah. As opposed to always looking at the future, like giving opportunity for that aggressive type to, to be a little more present focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. What, uh, on the flip side, uh, how do you care for a reactive type if you're aggressive? Uh, well, uh, working backwards. So getting the uh, reactive type to focus on what's coming, to, to stop being so focused on what's in front of them. Um, the, the aggressive type will help, help bring out um, planning and, and a, f- a future-focused kind of kind of approach mm-hmm. to things um i have found on this front that the thing i cherish most in my three seven and eight friends is their ability to process things uh think through things very quickly yes and give decisive aggressive answers yep. i love that yep surround myself with these people because i'm like oh that's how that works yeah and then it allows me to move forward into the things that that i want to do yeah. or want to achieve yeah um, and and to give you a sort of to give reactive types a sort of model for how to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that actually, especially for I don't know if the, I'll have to think through all the types here, but for ones, ones going to seven in security, that is a place that I feel like I want to be. Uh, I want to anchor in my best thinking, mm-hmm. and if I can in security be in those places where I'm reflecting the best, healthiest sides of a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, putting on those sort of habits and character traits. That, that's a great good for yeah. my posture towards the world. Yeah. I suppose on the flip side, I didn't mention this, but what with reactive types, reactive types can expose the feelings of aggressive types. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that, that in my, so I'm married to a three, the, that ends up being a very common place that we meet. She, she tells me what I should think and I'm, I tell her this is how you're feeling. Yeah. And that that uh, that's uh, that can be a very common place for us to dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Um when the world throws stuff at you. Mm-hmm. And and uh also that effect on other people. So the 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 lack of thinking through things gets overlooked by reactive types and the aggressive type can be like look at that look at this problem that happened because this didn't get thought through Yeah, and, and sort of showcasing that for aggressive types, look at how your behavior affected these other people and, and being able to highlight that in ways that, and do it in ways that, um, that are connected to each other. So, um, particularly for like thinking about that, that feeling center, Aggressive types don't want to sacrifice the ability to get things done for the sake of focusing on feelings. And reactive types are still going to be able to draw out that that accomplishment kind of aspect while also Ooh, yeah. pointing towards the feelings. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I I have seen that in play. Yeah. That's that's yeah, that's insightful. Yeah. We don't um, have to slow down, but or we don't have to stop moving, but we can slow down for a second. Right. Yeah. Hold on. The uh, anything else to be said about that couple, the doers? Oh, I'm sure there's lots of things, but nothing that comes to mind <laughs> right now. Uh, brings us to the third in the pairings, which is still the aggressive. 
but this time with the withdrawn. So the aggressive three, seven, eight, and the withdrawn four, five, nine. Yeah. Got some energy there. Yep. What comes to Well, there's some energy. Some energy. <laughs> I think there's a lot of energy. I'm real curious to hear what you think on this. Sure. Um, um a uh, a good way that I've heard nines and eights described yeah. is uh when an Im- when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. Right. Yeah, there's there's an interesting dynamic at play there. The when I'm thinking through these sorts of pairings, the image that routinely comes to my mind is that of a tug of war. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a better synonym. But that's what I got yeah. in terms of a name, the yeah. tug of war. It's not really the seesaw. It's like as though things consistently are being balanced. It feels like it's much more of a pulling. Do we move hard towards this or do we withdraw mm. kind of energy? And yeah. maybe that's my initial gut on this. But do you have any thoughts on the, the energy of these uh, those in these stances collectively, I think this these two types are are most likely to either be highly beneficial or highly destructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is that? Uh, because their their energies sort of compete with each other. Yep. So you have the um, the aggressive type that draws out the doing of the withdrawn type, or the the withdrawn type that. That, that pulls back the aggression. Yeah. Or you have someone being dragged along on something they don't want to be at. Mm-hmm. Or someone who's stunted in their ability to accomplish things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And there it is. And yeah. that, that's going to be the, the energy of that relationship over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so lots of give and take there. Yeah. yeah, and then I imagine in terms of a virtue for this pairing or this couple, mm-hmm. it's learning how to live in that. Yeah, yeah, space. Yeah, those of us in the withdrawn type, we can we can experience a lot of value, a lot of of growth from having people in our lives that are pushing us towards things that we need to accomplish. Yeah. There it is. And and vice versa. The 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 aggressive types can experience a lot of value and growth and maturity from pairing themselves with people who slow them down in ways that that make them uh that that de escalate their aggression. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Cause it so we have these stances, mm-hmm. how we get things, but in both those Examples, you're saying a moderation needs to take place. We've talked about moderating uh, for aggressive types in the mm-hmm. past, mm-hmm. but moderating for withdrawn types is an opposite. It's that there needs to be an increase. Yeah. Um, but these are your stances. Mm-hmm. So are you saying it's healthy to tap down, ramp up? How would this work? Um, well, it it all has to do with that repressed center. So, um, oh, there this, you go. this is yeah. um, this is part of the the wisdom of the enneagram. It, it, 
working on that repressed center is one of the most valuable things that you can do. Suzanne Stabile says, if you're only going to do one thing with knowledge of your Enneagram type, then you should do stance work. You should yep. work to bring up the repressed center. So for aggressive types, you, you work to bring up that feeling center. You engage your own feelings. You intentionally engage the feelings of other people. And you, you develop that center. That's the most beneficial thing that you can do. Yeah, for you as a person becoming healthy. Yep. Here's where it's at. Yep. And for withdrawn types, we work on that that body center. We work on getting out of our lethargy. We work on not withdrawing as much. We work on feeling our way through the world, through our bodies, through our intuitions, and, and developing action. My pop examples. Mm-hmm. And I think this shows the tug-of-war side of things when you can put some flesh on things. My first is is Piggy and Kermit. Great. There seems like a yes. one character is very aggressive. Yeah. And I want to peg Kermit as a four. Because okay. you know what, TJ? It's not easy it's, being green. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the world with all of the other stuff. There is a tug of war taking place between Kermit and Piggy, and you can you get the sense yeah. that that is some energy. Yep. Um, another deeply underrated movie, which I routinely uh, talk to TJ about, and he always makes fun of me, is Masters and Commanders, which yeah. is uh, the primary cap, uh, character is Captain Jack Aubrey, and his right-hand man is Dr. Maturin. The dynamics between these two is you have an eight who's the captain, and you have the doctor on board this naval ship that's responsible for 200 people on board. Mm-hmm who is a five and there is very much a, we need to be aggressive and go at them. We need to withdraw and be thoughtful, um, push pull that's going on in terms of the decision-making. Like they are just the yin and yang couple. And that's how this, uh, aggressive withdrawn always strike me. Sure. But of course, if we're going to talk about naval battles, the best submarine duo is, uh, Kirk and Spock. Which isn't really yeah, submarines, easily. but that's exactly what they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the yeah. seven five going on. Yep. It seems to me, yeah, at least in the 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 most present iteration, I think Spock in that is a five. I'd agree with uh, Spock is a five in the old ones in too. One. Shatner's Kirk goes back and forth between three and seven. I think. Gotcha. Yep. But still, in the, definitely but, in that with. But with Chris that Pine has more. More seven he, going he on? doesn't seem as to to need other people's approval as much. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. The last line of the Shatner Star Trek movies, he quotes Peter Pan. Uh-huh. Um, they're in a ship. The the crew's on board. They've just defeated the the last enemy. Yeah. And they're gonna dock the Enterprise for the last time, and he decides to take her out. For setting captain. Second start of the run. And straight on till morning. And it's this adventurous. Yeah. Let's just is, go find an adventure. We're, yeah. we're going into other solar systems yeah. in this galaxy. And that's the energy of the show. Yeah. Is let's go down there and see what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spock routinely saying, you know, what's logical here? Yeah. Uh, let's let's stop and think about this for a minute. There's a thinking dominance of this type of couple. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going to be what are they? They're not 
there's no repression there, but uh, aggressive types, withdrawn types are both comfortable in their minds. Yep. Um, but again, there, there's, there's the big uh, thing. They're both, their intelligence center is their head, but their stance, this really comes out. One's withdrawn, one's aggressive. They are trying to get the same thing mm-hmm. and they're doing it in two very different ways. Yeah. They're both trying to get security. One's aggressive, one's withdrawn. Uh, dynamic. Any, any other things to say about the dynamic of a thinking dominant couple? Um, I think there's there's a um, from my own experience there's there's a there's a big note here that um, it's really easy for uh, withdrawn types to be um, almost like uh, like we're just along for the ride. Yeah, um, that that's how others see you no that's that's how we might see ourselves in this kind of relationship that that the aggressive type is doing the thing that they're going to do and they don't care about us Mm -hmm. about the withdrawn types and and we're just along for the ride well jumping forward then how is it that aggressive types can care for the withdrawn types in their lives uh by engaging them and involving them in the the planning and the um what parts of what we want to do are valuable to you. Like um, giving the withdrawn types the space and also the opportunity to bring their full self into the thing that you're trying to do um, and giving, giving them time to, to get there. Yeah. There's yeah. a engagement of the body that is it would this be correct that four fives and nines may actually desire a great deal mm-hmm. it's not natural that's their repressed center but for an aggressive type to pull forward um a four five nine into spaces where they do things mm-hmm. that can be one that can be deeply attractive i yeah. imagine two yep. that can be really helpful on the friendship side of things like let's yeah. go do this thing yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, I mean, that's where Spock and Kirk's friendship is in many places. Yeah. It's come on this adventure with me. That's actually deep in Spock's heart, I think, to, yep. he wants to understand all the things, obviously, mm-hmm. but being physically invited into the adventure, come on. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, how can uh, withdrawn types care for those who are aggressive? Uh, I think, uh, again, that, that opportunity to help them see the ways that they are affecting the world around them, uh, from that thinking place, um, is a big, is a big part of that. Um, it's also going to be a pretty big deal for the aggressive type that the withdrawn type actually does the things that they all talk about that, uh, withdrawn is going to communicate a lot of care for their aggressive type if they access that action center and and do the things that they promise Mm, sure yeah it's also uh acting as that parachute to say hey well hold on slow down slow down for a minute we need we need to be we need to be thinking about other things while like i'm saying the exact same thing as the reactive there can be a lot of overlap there though it would be it's coming out of a different place yeah it's coming so for a reactive type toward an aggressive type 
it comes forward in a different way. Yeah, and it'll be um, the reactive type is going to be able to highlight sort of the feeling space mm-hmm. a little bit better. The mm-hmm. uh, the withdrawn type is going to be able to highlight the thinking space a little bit better. Oh, there you go. So yeah. so informing the plans and um, yeah and. And and using the past because withdrawn types are past focused. Using the past to help inform the future is going to be a big value there. there. Yeah, the orientation of time is, mm-hmm. is going to play into these relationships. You are oriented toward time. Can't change that. Yep. Use it. Yep. Absolutely. This is why relation life and relationship is better. Because you're insufficient on your own. Yep. Yeah, you know. No man, no man's an island. No man is an island. <laughs> um, I like that a lot. Anything else to say about this? Uh, this couple, uh, this pairing, aggressive and withdrawn. This couple seems the most likely to fall out of relationship without having any kind of fight, though. I mean, that might, maybe just that may be me speaking from my desire to avoid conflict at all costs, but right. but that seems this pairing seems the most likely to be to be able to fall out of relationship without having any kind of confrontation. Because yeah. the aggressive type is just going to go do their thing. Yep, and the withdrawn type will stay at home. Yep, yep. Boom. Brings us to the reactive reactive yes. pairing. So this is ones, twos, and sixes in relationship with each other. Yep. Energy. Where do you see the energy here? Uh, well, uh, from observation, I see a lot of really, really awkward people <laughs> who don't know what to do because they're <laughs> reacting to each other. So I was talking to a one today about his uh, a girl that he dated for a while who was a two. Uh-huh. And I was like, so one of the problems with this pairing is you get him in a car on a road trip yeah. and nobody says the first thing. Right. And he was like, oh, yeah. We had names for this. Yeah. That it was just this pleasant silence, yeah. you know, that we experienced yeah. between each other. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Because could, every, you're always waiting for the other person to bring it to, because reactive types are always reacting to what's in front of them. Yep. And if the thing that's in front of them is, a, it, it's, you're talking about a mirror in that way. Yeah. So the, because the posture of heart for ones, twos, and sixes is I'm here to serve. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make things better. I'm going to, uh, and I want to relate to the world in a way that I'm needed and get my needs fulfilled in yeah. response. Or am I part of the, the crew and how can I do my duty? It's all going to be, let me wait for the other person to make the first play. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but there's also going to be a, a really great um, let's solve the problems that are in front of us kind of dynamic. Yeah. So yep. um, you're going to have fixers. Uh, you're going to have uh, people who like consultants that come in to an organization to fix one thing yes. and then leave. Yes. You're going to find a lot of reactive combinations there. Yeah. That the pair itself. Yep. What's interesting is the energy in the couple then is not in the couple or the pairing or the friendship. Right. It's in something out there. Right. That, the that thing that they are reacting the energy. to. So when I was naming, I, th- I wanted to name this, this couple, the servants. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a better name. Do you have anything for this? The fixers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the fixers. I like the fixers. Yeah. They are a thinking repressed couple. 
Um, and they're clearly going to be best at when they are together meeting the needs of, of those they encounter. When you see this in pop culture, this was my favorite list. Because when you type folks, all of them have that dynamic. They need somebody else to come into the relationship. Yeah. To, to start them on the path. Mm-hmm. So the most obvious one for me was Frodo and Sam. Okay. Frodo, I want to say, is a six. I can make that argument. And Sam's a two. Great. They are both reactive. Yep. Sam is serving Frodo. Frodo is serving the Shire. Yeah. And that's the whole dynamic. But they're not doing anything. In fact, in Tolkien's book, they have the ring for like 80 years. They're just kind of sitting on right. it. Right. Yeah. Just hanging out. Right. Yeah. And then, but it takes somebody else moving into the space to say, hey, we need to get this going. Right. And his name's Gandalf. Right. And once they're doing something, then the relationship takes on a dynamic. Right. We are in this together for the sake of serving these others. Yeah. And that's what I find that real interesting. I, I imagine we know folks who are in romantic relationships like this, um, but they need, I imagine is as a, a point of um, encouragement when you can find something to work on together mm-hmm. in common cause mm-hmm. that might bring a lot of energy to yep. your relationship. Some sort of outside stimulus. Because again, on the C.S. Lewis front, um, romantic relationships are face to face. You're not interested in the thing out there. You're interested in one another. But being a reactive type myself, and, and I dated a girl for two years who was also a reactive type. I know what it's like to stall. It's like, all right, we're just here. And we have that quiet, awkward silence mm-hmm. where we're just comfortable, but Nothing's going on. Right. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but finding those things, what are we doing yeah. together can be real helpful. Um, another great example I thought was that of, I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's well, it's from Unforgiven. Did you see Unforgiven? No. Best Western ever. It's a more recent Clint Eastwood film, one best picture. Um, Clint Eastwood's character is a one who used to get drunk all the time and, and, and kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has a partner in crime who's played by Morgan Freeman, yeah. who's a two. So it's this one, two combination, but again, they're not doing anything with their lives. They're old men, they're old cowboys, um, who have gone their separate ways and now they're just kind of sitting and it takes the way that the movie starts is a young kid character comes and says, hey, um, these uh, prostitutes were assaulted. There's a bounty on the heads of the men who did the cutting, and and he's getting them to move and go do it. And the one who's played by Clint Eastwood decides, well, I'm going to go. And the two, likewise, is just along for the ride because it's something to do. I get to serve my pal. Yeah. And it's, again, it's this very servant-hearted kind of situation. The best however, of the reactive couples is one Jules Winfield and Vincent Vega. This would be from Pulp Fiction. These are two real interesting characters, and especially because Jules Winfield, who is the Samuel L. Jackson character, it, Samuel L. Jackson's innate brings the eight energy, but his dialogue is all one. Yeah. My favorite, uh, one of my favorite lines, and me and uh, Kelly routinely <laughs> like banter through the opening of that movie where Vincent says... Want some bacon? No, man, I don't eat pork. Are you Jewish? No, I ain't Jewish. I just don't dig on swine, that's all. Why not? Pigs are filthy animals. I don't eat filthy animals. Yeah, but bacon tastes good. Pork chops taste good. 
Hey, sewer rat may taste like pumpkin pie, but I'd never know because I wouldn't eat the filthy motherfucker. It's that sort of, it's that sort of uh, very aware of what's going into his body. Yeah. Uh, but he ends up having this crisis of he doesn't, he begins to question his principles mm -hmm. and the verse begins to not mean what it used to mean. Right. That's what Pulp Fiction is, is entirely about. It's about subjectivity because the timeline is subjective. Mm -hmm. They start the movie talking about how quarter pounders in France, uh, they don't have the pound in France. Right. And so they have to call it something else. Yeah. And so everything's relative. Yeah. The whole thing is rel about relative. And it has nothing to do with its weight yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yep. But by the end, the passage is relative. How are you going to interpret this passage uh, from Ezekiel and, and how it does its work on you? I find that that movie's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, anyway, they have energy. Yeah. And it's not their own. Right. It's based on uh, the, the primary gangster, Marcellus Wallace, who's mm. sending them to do all the things. Yeah, the job that they are hired to do. Yep. Yeah. And that's where they get the energy for their... Yep. Anyway, that's the thing about reactive, reactive couples mm -hmm. it seems to me that there's there's got to be a third element the it outside force it doesn't yeah. have to be a kid or it doesn't have to be the another person but there has to be something yeah that y'all are working toward yeah what are you reacting to yeah yeah that is causing you to move yep because otherwise you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting <laughs> alone in comfortable silence yeah um, nothing wrong with that, but well, am I wrong? It's a value judgment. I mean, if that's all you ever do all the time, yeah, that's wrong. It might be unhealthy. I think it's probably okay for reactive types to have moments where they're just hanging out. Yeah. But. Maybe it's just worth noting that is definitely going to be part of the dynamic of your relationship Yep. and knowing how that works yeah. between you is important. Yeah. Um, because it, I've, I've seen over and over again, the, um, reactive types who don't realize what's happening that are thinking that they are supposed to fill the space when the other person is thinking the exact same thing. That's entirely and how I think if you would just <laughs> let go and recognize that the other person is thinking the same thing, okay. then you might be able to just be able to sit in silence and it'd be okay. You do not have to fix that situation. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you should get in a fight about more things, TJ. <laughs> that's, well, sometimes that's true. Well, sometimes sometimes true. it's actually a high value that to bring peacemaking. So, if you are a reactive type and you're caring for the other reactive type in your life, what might that look like? Well, uh, we've joked about it a lot, but I think giving each other permission and saying it out loud that you don't have to react to each other all the time. Yeah. Uh, that, that you both recognize that you were, that you are reactive and that you're expecting the other person, you're waiting for the other person to act, giving yourselves permission to not have to fill that space. Yeah. And recognizing that someone has to take the wheel at some point. I love, you've talked about this in the past, I think. I don't know if we've got it on any of the recordings that we've launched, but I've heard tell that you have a, uh, it's your turn to initiate 
system set mm-hmm. up with someone in your life. Yeah. So uh, it, sometimes you you have to just trade off. Yeah. When when you're when you're in any given situation, if you're always waiting for the other person to react, then it might be good for your relationship, whichever type of relationship it is, it might be good for you to just say it out loud and say, okay, I've done it this time and I need you to do it next time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another, you're bringing in a third element here that gets the ball rolling, which is a system. You just create a system. And how are we going to move? Absolutely. Which react types love systems. They They do. The rules. Right. (laughs) Here's how the the rules work. What's great about reactive types that they need to know, they probably haven't given themselves permission to see this, is that both of them are going to be anxious about the other person's, what the other person is thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And they are longing to meet the other person's needs, either make things good or make, you know, yeah. uh, help them out. Um, and in my experience, that's, that's just not said sometimes. And it, it would be maybe real helpful just to know that, yeah. you know, yep. this isn't a sign that things are break. Silence isn't a sign that things are broken. It's right. just there needs to be that third element brought in. Yeah. Uh, anything else on, on uh, reactive, reactive? The fact that you are both present focused. If, if nothing else, you need to know that. You need to know that you're not thinking about what's come before and you're not thinking about what's coming up ahead. Mm-hmm. You're focused on the problem that's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you might need to intentionally calendar things. Look at the next six months. Look at the next week. Look at the mm-hmm. next month. Look at the next six months. Look at the next year. What's coming Yeah. for you both to start planning in that way? What and and maybe even spending some intentional time focused on what you've been through together, because uh, reactive types are often going to forget the things that they've experienced because they're only focused on what's happening right now. Yeah, and so remembering that these things have happened is going to help inform how to do things now. TJ will know this because I carry around notebooks all the time. But my the two most important tools in my arsenal are my calendar and my journal. Yeah. And it one's about the future, one's about the past. And exactly. you have to know I I have a hard time keeping those things in my head. Yeah. And so having having the tools, having the systems in yeah. place. Um, the other great, uh, so I don't know what you do around New Year's, but uh, I love coming to the end of the year and then doing a celebration of here's all the things that happened this year and really trying to intentionally go through my calendar and say, here's the things I learned. Here's the things that got accomplished. And on this front, um, for a reactive, reactive type, doing those sorts of things together that focus on the future, we're going to go through our calendars together, Mm -hmm. uh, doing those things like we're going to do our journaling together. We're going to do our, here's what happened this year. Yeah. I imagine could be, uh, exceedingly valuable because yeah. you, as a couple or as a pairing, you're not going to naturally bring up the past, right? Um, or especially, or bring up, you know, here's here's what's on the the horizon. Yeah, and in the work environment, this is a particular place where that that third element is going to be super necessary. Like maybe you have a a person, maybe you have an eight 
that that works in the office next to you that you intentionally bring into some of these meetings to say, what are we not thinking about that's coming up? Yeah. Yeah. Which brings us to the reactive types and the withdrawn types. So uh, ones, twos, and sixes, and four, fives, and nines. There's, again, an energy that's going to take place between these types of types. Uh, what do you see that energy as? Well, this is a this is a good one for us. We could probably talk about this for a while. We could. This is our this is our <laughs> wheelhouse. This is where we live. Uh, so there's um, this was actually uh, thinking about the dynamic between you and I was a big part of what helped me understand what reactive types means. Mm-hmm. So um, w- reactive types are reacting to the things that are in front of them. So in being paired with withdrawn types they're going to react to that energy so um, oftentimes that means that that the reactive type is going to fill the space that is is vacant from the withdrawn but that's something that a lot of withdrawn types desire yeah absolutely Um, yeah i i love having someone else take charge yeah yeah the especially as a body type so i intuit that there's some space there. Mm-hmm. And so I think I intuit that I should step into the space. Yep. And then with a lot of the relationships I have with withdrawn types, then it just begins to fill with, um, I can say some things that get the ball rolling, but then the withdrawn type obviously has a full personality and, mm-hmm. and quite intelligent. And then that, the energy begins from that place. Yeah. And it's um, it's drawing out the withdrawn type, sort of uh, like enticing a mouse out of a hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without feeling like we're being dragged along. Yeah. So the aggressive type can, can often, for withdrawn types, it can feel like we're being dragged. But with the reactive type is sort of more enticing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now with uh, reactive and aggressive types, they are going to be an action-dominant pair. The thing about this pairing, reactive and withdrawn, is this is going to be a feeling-dominant pair. Yep. Um, as I was looking at pop culture examples, the thing that stuck out to me over and again is the energy here is around some great battle or obstacle that they fight together for a long, long time. Mm. And that that propels how this relationship works at times. So you and I have been friends for a long time. Mm -hmm. The work that we do does not get done quickly. Right. It is. And there's, there's, there's hardly a finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so aggressive types are looking to accomplish things. They're looking for, for not just check marks, but like this is the finish line that they are aiming for because they're future focused. Yes. And once they reach that finish line, they've got another finish line in mind. Mm. For um, for us, and particularly for our work, there's there's not really a, a significant finish line. I wonder. So we are choosing the sort of work yep. that doesn't have finish lines, mm-hmm. uh, which is just fine. Yeah, like there that some some tasks. If you start a podcast, it's not like you. Well, maybe a three would say we're going to do three years, and then we're going to move on to the next thing. Yeah, or or we're going here. to accomplish this we're going to talk about this subject. And once we're done talking about that subject, yeah. the podcast is over. So we've started something and we're just like, 
this could go on for the rest <laughs> of our lives. Um, the name that came out of this for me of this feeling dominant pair whose energy is around this, this um, elongated struggle or battle or adventure is that these are the persisters. They are... Oh, I love that. They together journey yeah in this persistent kind of way mm-hmm. um pop examples the immediate one that went through my mind was sherlock holmes and watson great you got holmes is a five you got watson is a thinking repressed six it's routinely Holmes saying this is elementary my dear watson because he's thinking repressed right and watson's writing everything down right because <laughs> he needs to get his head around okay what the what just happened okay then we did this and we did this and this is how things worked yeah the uh, Thelma and Louise stru- mm, struck yeah. me as a reactive withdrawn That's couple. Um, there is a dyna- and they're going up against a enemy, which is I don't know if it would be masculine culture, but there's a lot of males in that movie that are exemplifying certain types mm-hmm. of men, and they are battling together and they're growing together. Yeah. Um, this one's maybe a bad example because one of the characters is so quiet, but Rocky and Adrian strike me as the mm. reactive withdrawn type. Rocky okay. is actually the withdrawn one. Uh, Rocky's a nine to the core. Mm. Um, is just pacifying everything, conflict avoidant sure. until you piss him off. Right. And then it's this, like the surge of rage yeah. comes up in, in those ways. Comes out, yeah. Um. But the dynamic of Adrian's character is, is very much that reactive character of meeting him where he's at, mm-hmm. loyal to the core kind of character. Anyway, but I got one for you. Okay. So another just famous pairing. Anytime you look up, like on Ranker, which yeah. is one of the best websites ever, by the way, <laughs> uh, best duos, these folks come up, and that would be one Jake and Elwood Blues. Okay. Here's the thing about Belushi. Belushi's a seven. Yeah. But his dialogue in this movie is almost entirely one. The when the introductory dialogue about when he picked when Elwood when Ackroyd picks him up at prison in the cop car. Yeah. <laughs> and Jake perfectionistic says, What's this? What? This car. This stupid car. Where's the Cadillac? The caddy. Where's the caddy? The what? Cadillac we used to have, the Bluesmobile. I traded it. Traded the Bluesmobile for this? No, for a microphone. A microphone? Okay, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right, it makes sense. Yeah. Elwood, who I think is a five, says, th- I think that Jake Blues is a one and Elwood's a five. Elwood says, This was a bargain. I picked it up at the Mount Prospect City Police Auction last spring. It's an old Mount Prospect police car. They were practically giving them away. There it is. Yeah. You know, kind of, he's, he's finding the bargains. Super cheap, yeah. Well, thank you, Al. The day I get out of prison, my own brother picks me up in a police car. You don't like it? No, I don't like it. And that's his, he, he needs to feel right about yeah. all this stuff. Elwood hits 
the accelerator. This is where the, the drawbridge opens. He like goes over this drawbridge. He launches the car over a bridge, um, over this boat that's going through the, the drawbridge. They land and drive away, and Jake goes, the car's got a lot of pickup. <laughs> and this is the five side in Elwood. He says, it's got a cop motor, a 440 cubic inch plant. It's got cop tires, cop suspension, cop shocks. It's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run good on regular gas. What do you say? Is it the new blues mobile or what? <laughs> and Jake has a cigarette. <laughs> he like lights a cigarette. It doesn't quite work. He throws it out the window and he says, Fix the cigarette lighter. <laughs> but it's all perfectionistic from yeah. this that yeah. character. Everything needs to be perfect, yeah. But there is a reactive type, withdrawn type. They end up having a great, it, like, uh, elongated battle they need to fight together. Yeah, sure. And that's and the one, and uh, in this case, the reactive type actually is has a difficult time getting his mind around. I need to serve what the uh, the orphanage that mm-hmm. they grew up in, um, but they got a mission, man. We're on a mission from God. Uh, Belushi's seven begins to come out later in the movie, though. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke. Yeah. There's all this stuff to that effect. Uh, He bails his bride at the altar. I don't know if that's a seven thing. It doesn't feel like a one thing, but maybe I'm wrong. So one bail, Carrie Fisher. An unhealthy one. An unhealthy one. An idiot bails Carrie Fisher at the altar. This is they have a term for this. Yeah. It's idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh dynamics. Yeah, talk about the dynamics of this feeling dominant couple. Well, there's there's gonna be a lot of um (laughs) like the the there is the sense of of the reactive type being able to coax the the withdrawn type into the action that's required and, and, and being able to do that in a way that's, that's sort of um, balanced a little bit better. Uh, and, and the withdrawn type being able to slow down the, the reactive type a little bit more. So, so one of the, one of the great th- dynamics between uh, Jeff and I is that uh, he wants to throw away everything and I want to keep everything. So, um, like being a little bit more focused on the past, like everything. And also I come from a family of hoarders. Like I keep everything. I, I keep all things for all time. We should say as background that we, uh, TJ's business is in a building that I own. Yeah. And so there's this, this there's a very much a symbiotic relationship, but some things needs to be kept in the building. Right. So, uh, and some things, some things need to be kept and some things (laughs) need to be thrown away. And there's, there's this great balance between the two of us of me saying, look, this is something that has been very useful to us that we might someday have to replace if we get rid of it now. Yep. Combined with, the, the focus of this is something that we don't need and just because we did once doesn't mean we will again. And yep. so so figuring out that that balance has been one of the great struggles and joys of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, My, just to, to, to 
because I'm a defensive one, I'm, sure, uh, of course. Yeah. It's part of our business. It has to do with getting as many people as possible into a said space. Right. And so there is a uh, opportunity cost that comes with large amounts of storage. Yeah, absolutely. I need to be able to fit so many bodies into mm-hmm. said space because it's a rental space. Yeah. And um, there's a literal cost yeah. of having to replace things that <laughs> we needed that have been thrown away because we didn't need them right that second. And there it is. Yeah. It's a tension to be managed, yep, according absolutely. to one leadership guru <laughs> I heard. There are some problems you don't solve. It is the case, however, that we are in common cause. Uh, we have energy around. We want to have some success. It's going to yeah. take a long time to get there. Yep. It may not have a uh, the goal, the payoff. I love that idea that there's not necessarily a finish line here. Mm-hmm. And so because there's no finish line, it's going to be, okay, well, how do we navigate this yeah. together moving forward? Yep. And and that uh, past-present focus will be like we draw good out of each other in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there it is. I have such a hard time living in the past. That's why I, I throw everything away. Is right. I don't need this right now. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's useless. Yeah, it's just taking up space that I would use right now. Uh, <laughs> I live in the past. How do you care for a reactive type if you're a withdrawn type? I uh, bringing up my own uh, get things done is very, very valuable to the reactive types mm. in my life. Yeah. Um, so it's really easy for me to forget, to um, to miss, to, uh, to get distracted. Like, I don't get things done because I step back. And, and it is really, really important for the relationships in my life where I, that I have with reactive types for me to intentionally think about what's important to them and to engage the things that they need to get done for the sake of our relationship. Yeah. The thing I get most from withdrawn types in in my life, and we may have talked about this, but withdrawn types will give me the space Mm -hmm. to speak and bring out my best thinking. So I, uh, once twos and sixes routinely are verbal processors, we talked about that, but withdrawn types will allow that space Mm -hmm. And allow the speaking, and because uh, withdrawn types are strong in their uh, thinking center for the most part, mm-hmm. um, we'll be able to speak over those places and say, "Here's, you know, here's some ways you might think yeah. about that in a very calm, um, oftentimes analytic way." Yeah, that's so helpful for for me. Yeah, we can sit in that in that space very comfortably because that's sort of where we live is the withdrawn, like back up and think or feel. Yeah. 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 Uh, on the flip side, what do, what do you, uh, uh, how do you care for withdrawn types if you are a reactive type? Uh, again, bringing out that, that action space and, and helping guide that, like giving, giving, withdrawn types a purpose giving them something to work towards mm. um, is a is a big value um, and do you find that with I I feel like you would get that from ones twos and sixes do twos and sixes bring that to withdrawn oh, types yeah. in their lives absolutely of is it vision is it when you talk about purpose yeah it's um, 
withdrawn types, we we often need a reason to like to come out of that shell, to come out of that that space, um, and to to bring up that that doing place and mm-hmm. and ones twos and sixes are going to point out the things that need to get done oh sure there it is yeah. okay yeah. yeah they're the moving towards people people mm-hmm. and withdrawals are the moving away from people right and so it can be quite helpful for the reactives to say hey we're going to go over here and serve these folks yeah something like and, that and and there's a there's a reason behind it and ones, twos and sixes are all going to bring different perspectives for that, that reasoning, but, but to really in, intentionally draw out that, that, that need to do something that's, I, I get the most value of that from ones, twos and sixes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Anything else to say about, uh, reactive withdrawn couples, uh, pairs? Uh, this is again going to be an opportunity for um, reactive types need to be careful that they are not trampling on withdrawn types and withdrawn types need to be careful that they are not stifling the needs, the, the um, attentions of the reactive types. What do you mean by attentions? Uh, well, so it's really easy for uh, particularly unhealthy withdrawn types to sort of drag everyone down with them. Oh, okay. To sure. to pull things to a standstill, and and if if we are not being aware of how our energy is is pulling the people around us, then then we could be potentially diminishing the the work that reactive types are trying to get done. Mm. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So uh, say that a withdrawn type is in a, a married relationship with a reactive type. If the reactive type is sort of handing over the reins for, um, the, di- the dynamic and the energy of the relationship to the withdrawn type, then the, those two may find themselves in a, a cycle of w- both withdrawing because the reactive type is letting the other one be in charge yeah. in that way. And, and the withdrawing type is comfortable in that space and the reactive type is finding themselves increasingly frustrated by not addressing the things that they think are important. Right. I find that in my family, I have a son who's a five and one that when my five son does want to withdraw, does need space or doesn't want to go on the adventure that we could, we could do together. Mm -hmm. Then that would be another example. It's not just work, but it could be play as well. Yeah. You know, we're going to, we're going to sit for a bit, and sometimes sitting is exactly the right move. Right, um, there is a wisdom that needs to, you know, reign in all of these situations. But the, um, yeah. Anyway, it's not just work. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to the final pairing, which is withdrawn and withdrawn. So the relationships between four, fives, and nines. Um, there's going to be an energy here. Yeah. Um, what do you What do you see with the energy of this? Uh, energy wise, it's probably going to be pretty calm. <laughs> it's going to be pretty. Mellow. They're going to be real chill. 
lots of uh, um, going your separate ways to get things done um, or just not getting things done. It's action repressed. Yeah. Pair. Yep. Again, when you are paired with somebody of your same stance. Yeah. You're just going to be a repression at work. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of WWs in think tanks. WW. Oh, which one? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because they want to be in a space that is calm and these yeah. are all, they're not going to be thinking repressed. Right. You want to process some stuff. The goal is not to actually get something done. The goal is to yeah. process information. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was the thing that struck me looking at these types was the energy is about moving away from everyone else and carving out a space. Mm. That can be a physical space. Mm -hmm. It can also be an intellectual space. It's like, I'm going to create this space and this can be the space for me where I feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, Or an emotional space. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. There you go. There's a triad here. (laughs) Um, Names. Uh, The processors. Ooh, that's a good one. Mine was the space seekers. Okay. uh, Or the retreaters could be a thing, but um, I liked the idea of spaces here. Um, The processors. Okay, I'm going to write that down as well. Um, the uh, pop examples, we, we talked about one set last week with, uh, or with in our last series with Vision and, uh, and Scarlet Witch would be mm-hmm. a MCU version of a romantic couple yeah. that's a five and a four. Yeah, their, their big conversation when they're in Berlin yeah. where they've both left the teams that they're, they're on is. opposite sides yep. of the teams <laughs> of the big civil war and they've both left their teams to be together yep. in an entirely different country. And their conversation is about what if we don't go back? There it is. Yeah. There is another famous couple uh, that's in the game of Thrones. It's Jon Snow and Samuel Tarly. And I want to put Jon Snow as a nine mm-hmm. and Samuel as a five. All of this for you who don't know about game of Thrones, it's just fine. But their adventure is they go off to essentially the Arctic mm. to man the wall. It's this retreating. Yeah. Uh, Snow is really into this. Jon Snow's whole, you know, young self says that's where I need to go. And he's very much a peacemaker um, personality. And Samuel is, is kind of that five-ish uh, character. But both of them are there. They're off at the wall together, separated. Mm-hmm. They've created space. Yeah. There. Uh, the last one was at the beginning that struck me was at the beginning of the first X-Men movie, the two primary characters are Rogue and Wolverine, and they're both leaving. And I think Wolverine might be one of those characters that you could say he's an eight, but it's similar to the Hulk. Yeah. He actually is looking for calm. Yeah. He just doesn't want anyone to bug him anymore. Sure. And that's why he's he's off in Canada somewhere, right. you know, half the time. Uh, and then Rogue is trying to escape. She she has a uniqueness. Uh, there's a lot of four going on, I think, in Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's withdrawing to yeah. um, in order to to get away from from all the the problems. So those would be some combinations of what that might look like. It's the we're trying to get away. Yeah. Uh, the couple that the pairing that struck me most is having this energy, and I would love your thoughts on this. Is from the Shawshank Redemption. It's the Andy and Red character. Yeah. Andy has the five energies, very much the observer, withdrawn mm-hmm. in order to find security yep. kind of energy going on there. Uh, red is one of those difficult to type 
between a nine and a two, mm-hmm. but I'm going with nine because of how a lot of his character arc plays out and his, he has a hard time getting into his, um, I'm going to move forward side of self, but he introduces himself as I'm the guy who can get it for you. Yeah. So it seems like he's the guy who needs to be needed because I'm the guy who can get it for you. Unfortunately, I've heard you say that or uh, in, oh, yeah. in a very different kind of way. So I, the, I've been waiting for this question. When you say, you know, so anytime that I have a tech need, I'll come to TJ like we did with the VCR. Uh-huh. He's like, hey, I need a VCR. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know a guy. It's <laughs> That's going to be on your tombstone. I know a guy. He <laughs> 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 says it all the time. That is acceptable. How does that work as a nine? Because I can see that how it would work with a two. But, yeah. but for you... For me, it has it has a lot to do with I have I have collected the resources and particularly the connections mm-hmm. in my life to make sure that I have what's needed at any time. Mm. I yeah. have access to what's needed at any time, okay. and this yeah. is a lot about that that sort of peace and harmony. Like I want the space around me to be very comfortable and to be. Um, to have everything that I need within reach. Yeah. Is, I don't know if the Shawshank Redemption's on the top of your head, but the red character yep, who can exactly get things, right. yep. is, it, is it the same? He knows how to control the pieces yes. that make him feel comfortable, even yeah. in an uncomfortable And place. he can use his, his resources to maintain the peace within the prison. Oh, there it is. He's not the guy that's in charge, yeah. but he can take care of everything else. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get you this poster. You're going to feel yep. good about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, so this ends up being the arc that I think is real interesting on the withdrawn, withdrawn side. Mm-hmm. Is they are both in a space. They have carved out a space for themselves. It's not a good space. Right. They've brought as much life as they can into that space. Right. But the whole story is about escaping that space mm-hmm. and find their space seekers. Yeah. See, it's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> they find they need to go to what is it like Owatonegro or Yeah, it's uh Zewatanejo. Come on. I heard that they didn't initially film that scene. Sure. That the movie was gonna end with Morgan Freeman on the bus. Oh, okay. But the studio saw it and they say, this doesn't work. This is not resolution. We need it's to see in- them get back together. <laughs> yeah, it's we need we need actual resolution, not implied. They've been in purgatory the whole time. I want to see some heavenly lights. Yeah. So there it was. So what to now? Both of them, what the, the main thing that Dufresne says is something like, I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. Which sounds like a like a withdrawn mantra that you need to scream to your heart, kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Um, And that line matters so much to both characters. I need to get busy living or get busy dying, and that's what like Red uh, repeats it at the end of the movie, (laughs) because he is carving out. He is he gets out of prison, but then he um, is given civilian life, and he starts to. to merge with it. Right. And, but then he says to himself, get busy living, get busy dying. Yeah. And then, and then he gets on the bus um, and they carve out that space on the beach. And that's how the whole story ends. Right. The image of as a pair carving out that space for yourself. 
is a great good. Yeah. And it's worth naming that as a great good for this kind of pairing. Mm -hmm. That that's going to be your natural stance and the energy of your relationship. So you should just assume that's how that's probably going to go. Yeah. Are there downfalls to uh, that Well, sort of I also want to say that um, it is entirely likely that, that withdrawn, withdrawn types are going to, like that, that space that they're carving out is going to be outside of what's quote-unquote normal. Um, so yeah. so the the being being withdrawn i think is is the the easiest for other people to see um the that action repressed center is like that's the easiest thing for people to recognize out of the three repressed centers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because you're not doing anything yeah and to think about um the types of people the types of pairings that will be um carving out space the space that they're carving is intentionally away from everything else. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And and it may be an emotional space. It may be a, a, a mental space. It may be a physical space, but like being intentionally separate from what other people might think is normal. Like that's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's permission there. Yeah. Red and Dufresne, are like they they don't just escape prison they go to a beach in mexico yeah yeah it's, and then they're entirely away from the whole everything that they've ever known mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. that way um so how do uh to go to jump back into some of those questions about caring uh has a withdrawn person care for a withdrawn person uh, as with all of the other same type pairings, um, we are able to see the, the good and the bad in ourselves a little more easily. Mm -hmm. And so, so being able to give permission to other withdrawn types to be withdrawn is a good, is a really good value for us. And it's also the case that, that we need to, um, we are able to speak to the places where we need to step out of that mm -hmm. in yeah, a better way. You'll have a not always an intuition, but an understanding of when there's too much yeah. withdrawing going on. Yeah. I know this is really hard for you. I know it's going to be really hard, difficult to step out of the thing that you're you're stuck in, but, but this is like being able to call attention to it and and help encourage and move someone from their withdrawn place when, yeah. when it's too much. You love having those conversations. I love having those conversations with others. Do you? Yeah. I love being the person that says, Hey, you need to move. <laughs> Talk about that. Uh, I was, I was trying to make a dumb joke, but oh, yeah. okay. So you don't experience conflict in that situation. No, that's an encouragement moment uh, for me. Okay. Yeah. Boom. All right, so we got a list. Uh, we got uh, we got to name these suckers because we need a trademark and we need to get paid a quarter every time. I don't know why <laughs> everything's about money today. <laughs> I'm, my bills are coming due. I'm starting to think. Um, the aggressive, aggressive. I had the energizer. Yeah, you could, I I said the powerhouse. Powerhouse energizer should work. Yeah. Boom. Uh, aggressive, reactive. I had the doers. The doers. Doers works. Uh, aggressive withdrawn. I had the tug of war. Yep. 
That works. Yep. Uh, reactive, reactive. I had the servant. I, I had the fixers. The fixers. Yeah. I'm gonna think on that. We'll put we'll put these online. Okay. Uh, re- reactive, withdrawn. I had the persisters. Yep. And withdrawn, withdrawn. I had the space seekers and the processors. Processors. There you go. All right. We'll figure out. We'll we'll come to an agreement and post those post haste. And uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah. Next time we are talking about coping styles. Coping styles. Real interesting. It's okay. So uh, we with stances are talking about how we get what we want. Yep. Coping style, I have found, is the most helpful for me in relationships. Mm. It's about how you fight half the time. It's about how you navigate problems and conflict. How are you um, with the person you're in relationship with um, going to attack, process, um, move, uh, reframe, the situation that is not good in front of you. Right. And if you can give a name to that, it is so helpful. Right. And so that's where we're going next time. Yep. We communicate through the Twitter at Enneagram Circle and on the Instagram at Around the Circle Podcast. The music is by The Collection at Greensboro, North Carolina and by Tim Coons from here in Greeley, Colorado. The best thing you can do for us to keep these uh, podcasts going is to hit subscribe. It takes two seconds to subscribe for us. Um, we are presently um, doing events, but we are booked through 2019. Uh, but we are setting up events for 2020. We do one day and two day events for up to 250 people. And we do leadership teams for up to 20. Uh, If you really like the podcast or if you are a friend who loves us, do take two minutes right now. Don't wait. Hit the share button and post this for others on your social media so that other folks can find it. That's going to be the way that we can get some traction. Uh, Anything else? I got nothing. He's TJ Wilson. He is officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook. Be who you were meant to be. You're going to set the world on fire.